Round one, fight. Heroes never die. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. <laughs> I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow in the knee. Power, sex, sex, power. They both come down to one thing. Hungry Gamers. Hello, 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 and welcome, boys and girls, to episode 145 of the Hungry Gamers podcast. We are powered by 8bit.net and Audio Technica. I am your not-so-humble host, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at brendan 8 bit and joining me today, my returning co-hosts, back in full force now, the three of us, ready to kick some gaming ass. We've got Salim Abraham, whom we found at Salim TD, and Miss Ali Hart, whom we found at Miss Ali Hart. Welcome back to the Hungry HQ. It's been a while since we've all been in the same uh, remote room. How are you doing? Oh, doing good. Glad to have the family back together around the uh, breakfast table. Mm-hmm. Very excited. Uh, Dream, how did you go uh, last week with those Cadbury cream eggs and... Uh, Pegging them at Fraser Anning. I haven't seen anything hit the airwaves yet, so it's uh, you know, what is going on? Uh, <laughs> I don't know where to go with that. Um, I'm not going to touch that with a ten foot pole, actually. Okay, I'll I'll give a nice segue. Um, I was at Target yesterday. Okay. And now there are Cadbury cream eggs um, doing a crossover with Whizfizz. Cadbury cream egg whiz fizz. Yeah, I, I didn't buy one. All... I need to buy one just to try it and be appalled. You know what I think it would be like? I think it would be like the Cadbury Marvelous Creations. I think that's the kind of Why do we have to keep on direction they're going shit? down. Mm. I do like some of the Marvelous Creations though. Some of them flavor them combos yeah. are the bomb. They're not I can't bad. stand that stuff. I hate it when they start mixing jellies with chocolate and all that sort of jazz. Mm. Let's keep it simple. Keep it creamy. Mm. The kiss method. Yes, keep it creamy. Um, speaking of keeping it creamy, I went to uh, do the the annual pilgrimage to uh, Costco on Friday on the way back from a meeting. Um, it doesn't take much to spend a lot of money in there. That's uh, what I've heard. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I, I left with a uh, a bucket of pretzels about the size of a small child. <laughs> I love hearing what is the what's that item where you've realised you've hit us at Costco like a bucket of pretzels? Yeah, that's that's about right. <laughs> the bucket of pretzels. And um, Rach and I were talking the other day about like breakfast, and we were talking about instead of bacon, you know how you can do the ham steaks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I bought some ham steak from um from Costco, but obviously you can't just buy a ham steak. Instead, I got like a packet of 10 sealed ham steaks. So I've got enough ham that's probably the size of a small child as well in the fridge now. Um, but we had some yesterday. It was delicious. A little ham child. Yeah. I've had the I've had the luck of actually going to American Costco, which is just like, if I feel like it's like Wizard of Oz. I'm pretty certain Ooh, yeah. that's what Dorothy felt like. Um, and it has the greatest thing that I've ever witnessed, which is like a full, like, like I, I can't remember how much, but it's Mexican Coke. You can buy a pet, like a little... Small pallet Ooh, of Mexican like Coke. Yeah. And I'm just like, this is what dreams are made of. That's pretty special. That's pretty special. I also, because my intention to go there is because they do sort of my favorite American style pizza that I've, I've sort of found on our shores. Mm-hmm. 14 bucks for a big like 18 incher. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you, you know, you're practically making money going to buy these pizzas. 
Um, so I, I bought the pizza, you know, they cooked it fresh and chucked in the car and it's about 60 odd Ks to home, but I'm sitting there driving in the, in the traffic on my way home and I'm trying to like get these giant slices of pizza out of the pizza box as I'm driving, you know, navigating this thing, like draping itself all down my arm and on my chin, trying not to like hit the car in front of me, um, was quite the, quite the fun ride home. I gotta ask, do you, like, does Australian Costco do the little side restaurant where they serve hot dogs and yes, slices yeah. of pizza? Yes, huh? that's where you do the pizza. Yeah. Now, do, are we suffered by the conversion and actually have to pay more? No, uh, we do a little bit. Like, it's 14 bucks for that big pizza, so it's it's cheap as chips still, um, but, but we do pay more. The hot dogs, I think they're 3 bucks. <gasps> more expensive like than that. Ikea. Yeah, yeah. Mm. The hell? Mm. I love it's hot like dogs. A, isn't it like a dollar fifty for a drink and a hot dog? In yeah, America, it's it's definitely not that over here. But um, yeah, Costco's the best. And there's one opening. It was meant to open here in October near near where I live, but it's now been pushed to April. So I'm very excited Oof. to be able to only have to drive you know ten k's as opposed to sixty to get these pizzas. So yeah. um, bring it on. Less pieces to eat while driving. <laughs> Yes, it is dangerous. I don't recommend trying to eat a giant slice of 18-inch pizza while driving a car in uh, in traffic. It is not wise. I not wise at all. It. Let your dreams no. become reality. Mm. Anywho, um, I guess we should sort of pivot into what we're usually here for and talk about some video games. Um, what have you been playing, Miss Hart? Tell me the things. Well, as naturally, I've been continuing on with division two on pc i've actually leveled up now i think i'm like maybe 18 19 now haven't reached the end game yet um i'm hearing a lot of great things about it still um but i my love for this game hasn't dwindled i'm enjoying it more and more and more i i kind of thought that after a while i would hit that repetition phase and i'd actually start getting bored but as you level up and as things continue on the story grows the side missions you know keep on growing it's I'm enjoying it. It's it's not dying down for me and I'm absolutely loving it. Getting kitted out and following all the little collectibles. So, yeah, I'm still having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I'm I'm having fun with it, but I'm just missing that hook right now. I, oh, really? I don't know if maybe it's just I'm not in the mood for, for the old loot shooter, but uh, I don't know. Like, there, there's no inkling. You know when you like a new game comes out and you, you mm. go to work and you sort of sitting there at work thinking, man, I can't wait to get home and fire up Division 2 or Game X while I don't have that at the moment. It's oh, like, I'm getting home and, and Rach and I'll be like sitting around like, do you want to play some Division 2? And it's like, meh, yeah. maybe, okay. Like, I don't know. It's just not, not ticking all the boxes for me. Like, it's great graphically. The combat's tight. The story's a bit better. But at the same time, like what we talked about last week, Hart, like, I, I couldn't tell you who half the goddamn characters are. Like... I got a general understanding of the narrative, but I don't really care about anyone. And you know what? And like even elaborating on like what we said last week is, yeah, I'm not hooked on this story. I can't even tell you half the people are. I've unlocked a good majority. I think I have like Emma left. I think is the last mm-hmm. staff member that I have to unlock. Um, but I really don't care. Um, yeah. The story wise, I think I just saved the president. I don't know. Don't really care. But um, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's not the story that's really grabbing me in. It's the gameplay. It's building up my gear. It's like coordinating mods now onto my, onto all my, you know, vests. Onto your gloves. weapons and your And then, your yeah, kit, like yeah. coordinating which brand of um, armor I'm wearing so then I can use the multipliers on it as well. Like, 
yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm just enjoying it. Like, which I'm glad because this was definitely a game that I was anticipating and um, I'm glad it actually paid out. But um, yeah, I guess it's not for everyone. It's not the tingly sensation for everyone. Can I ask, what what are you finding is your go-to sort of weapons, like gun? What, what, are you, what are your guns of choice taken into battle? Like, do you sort of have two contrasting weapon styles where you have like a range, you know, sniper uh, type of gun and then like an SMG? Or do you just take what's what's highest rated in your kit? Or? Um, no, I am a, I'm pretty bad in the sense. I've actually only just started refreshed my kit out because... I was just so happy with what I was holding and how it felt. But obviously as you level up, the enemies get harder and then it just, it's not doing the right amount of damage that it should at your level. Mm-hmm. So I've only just changed it recently. I'm still sticking to a rifle, not a marksman, because I feel like the marksman rifles always are just a hindrance as being purely sniper. So I feel like the, the just a straight out rifle is always a good mix of being, you know, just straight out combat and you know, long distance combat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I've actually kitted myself out now with a submachine gun. Um, and I only did that because um, the rollout that I had with it, it was good against epic enemies. It breaks um, it breaks shields. And I think there was something in regards to um, just a certain critical hits make them like either bleed or poison. And it's really, really working out well. Like I'm absolutely demolishing... Like even the heavy, even the big players, like the the yellow yellow bar. Uh, yeah, enemies, like sort so. of the almost like the, the the mini bosses almost. You exactly. Could call them. Yeah, yeah. I'm just melting through them. So. Yeah. Yeah. I only just changed that recently. I've been sort of sticking traditionally with a, excuse me, a big old LMG, um, and then when you chuck a few mods on it, so it doesn't really kick and kick and jump all over the screen. Uh, have, having a gun with like a hundred bullet clip is great especially for sort of waves of trash mobs and things like that and then i was doing an, S, uh, an smg as well but i've just noticed a lot of smgs have like really low clips like they're under 20 bullets in a clip and you know you can go through that in you know the blink of an eye so you're constantly mm. reloading without taking massive damage off some enemy so i've got a i think i'm using like an m4 um assault rifle coupled with the lmg at the moment so they're they're both sort of mid-range guns but mm-hmm. they can do a lot of damage up close yeah and then with my um, my two abilities, I'm using the little the little health um, orb Christmas ornament looking thing that hangs off the back of your back of your pack that you can sort of drop and it'll do sort of dot based healing um, or hot. Would you call it hot healing over time? Hot. If that's yeah. another thing, it is now. Um, and then also I've been jumping between either the flamethrower turret or the um, chem launcher with the flame attachment on it as well because ah. they can do mass damages um to to in individual and, and sort of groups of enemies yeah i've kept my turret buddy just uh standing like full assault? yeah like i've kept that it's just way too useful to me for for me to ever swap it out but i have actually kind of switched it out i did the hive um booster i was trying mm-hmm. that one out i wasn't really seeing any major differences between me and like whoever i was playing with um, so now I have switched it to the chem, but the foam one. Where yeah, can... yeah, yeah. And it sticks them all. Yeah. Um, honestly, it's not that effective. I'm not seeing the effectiveness. Only with big enemies, though. You keep them in the spot and everyone just, you know, attacks at once. Um, I did use the Firefly for blinding. And that was extremely effective for when you ever enter a room and all the bad guys haven't noticed you yet. And they're kind of within the same area. 
you can blind them all and then that really puts you ahead like you can demolish them so yeah the, the combat's fun i'm still enjoying that aspect of it but i think i was just looking for for something with a bit more narrative is, is my itch that i need scratching at the moment yeah you are mm. a bit of a narrative uh yeah i'm I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a story man <laughs> dream what about you like you haven't jumped on the the div 2 wagon yet are you still thinking about it is it is it something of interest to you where do you stand with the division two um i i have next to no interest in jumping into the division two um mm-hmm. just to be uh totally totally clear about it um i am <laughs> so time poor right now uni's just started up i'm working fucking full-time hours um i'm losing my hair slowly brendan to life and oh, what no. I don't need right now is another life in a virtual world where... <laughs> in <whole> Washington, <laughs> D.C.? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Going crazy and... Uh, oh, my God. Sorry. I just saw a message come up. One of the graduates of my company just invited me to his wedding on Facebook. Wow. All right. Not going, Nalan. Um, so, anyway... <laughs> I'm sure the wedding's going to be beautiful though, mate. It's on April 26th. Um, it's what? so close. Yeah, I don't know what's going on here. I have a feeling someone must have dropped out dropped and they're out, like, shit, yeah. we need oh, to fill sure. this spot. Yeah, for sure. And now I've got to come up with a gift. Go fuck yourself, Nalan. Um, so, uh, yeah, no. So uh, to answer your question, no, I, I'd be less likely to jump into something like The Division 2. Um, yeah, it, it really does have, like, I really do have very little interest in it. And I think it's because um, the mechanics, just the general flow of, you know, like like you described, Brendan, like the looter shooter, I know exactly what I'm getting into. So if it's not going to be for that, it's going to be for the story. And I don't care about saving an American president. It doesn't really sound like something that really resonates with me. Um, my mission? A dystopic sort of, uh, you know, post-apocalyptic future. Yeah, that's kind of cool, but... I get that everywhere else. Like there are so many games with with a you know end of the world vibe in them at the moment. I'm just uh, I'm feeling I'm feeling fine. I don't feel like I'm missing out. It's about the human condition, Sam. Um, well, when have you yes, ever cared about the human condition, Ali? <laughs> if it makes you feel better, you could, for the price. Apparently, the attention to detail for DC and just all the buildings and all the environments, like the Lincoln Memorial, the giant phallic tall white thing that's i don't know what that's called penis Um, pencil yeah whatever the the white penis pencil statue um apparently the attention to detail is actually quite incredible so if you want to think about it that way you could take a trip to dc probably how dc is going to be in what four years i could look Um, at photos of dc (laughs) to get the same we're giving it four years are we ali all right (laughs) well if trump gets uh re-elected who knows yeah. Possibilities are endless. Yeah. To be fair um, to him, though, no, no real wars so far yet. Just putting it out that's there. That's true. He's kept his that's finger true. off the nuke button so far. So, anyway. Mm. <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> but yeah, Division 2, it is what it is for me. Um, it's fun. It's a good time killer. I'm, I'm going to persist and, and push to that level 30 cap over the next week or two and, and sort of see if my opinions change when mm-hmm. I do get into that end game content. Maybe it will, maybe a little bit more, you know, dipping of the toe into the dark zone might, might sort of sway me a little bit getting that sort of PVP aspect. But at the moment, yeah, it's just, it's fun, but 
I'm looking for more. Mm. Does that make sense? I guess. And you're looking. You're. Uh, yeah. You, it's just narrative for you, isn't it? It's just you're not. It's not grabbing you. Yeah, yeah. I, I like. I like the emotional attachment to a character or characters in a game. I think that's my biggest Achilles heel for gaming. That sort of will just grab me from the jump. And um, yeah. Outside of a of a lady that's missing a leg and you got to save a daughter, like Odetta. Mm. Outside of that, I couldn't name a single character in this game outside I, of my own division agent. I have more emotional attachment to the enemies. I love the shit that they yell at you all the time or all the yeah. little banter that they say in the background. Like, yeah, I love it. Yeah. But oh well. Okay. Yeah, so um, a game that I do love but is absolutely royally kicking my fucking ass at the moment uh, I've been playing a little bit of uh, Sekiro Shadows Die twice. Mm. And my goodness, was I not prepared for this game. Um, I'm I'm not a big Souls guy, like as in I admire that franchise and that style of game, but I've never been very good at that style of game. Mm. Um, I think I like my combat to have a little bit of forgiveness in it, where if I am sort of not as quick on, on one button command... Um, I can potentially get out of it and still sort of have a good experience. But obviously with the Souls games, one wrong move and, and you're kaput for the most part. And uh, that is pretty evident in uh, in Sekiro. It's, it's really good though. Like I'm really enjoying it. I've only probably played three probably three to four hours max at this mm-hmm. stage. Um, but I love I love this universe that From Software have created. They've sort of combined new elements into that traditional Souls gameplay, like having the grappling hook. So you can traverse uh, the environment, you can escape really quickly, which is one thing that I found myself doing pretty regularly uh, during my three to four hours is, um, you know, laying a couple of slashes and then putting distance between me and the enemy because I was overwhelmed <laughs> or um, extremely stressed. But it is it is really nice. The, the world is fantastic. It's sort of that, you know, feudal Japan, but then obviously it's splicing in this, this demon sort of subsect and blending it together. Um, as they do with with these Souls types of games, starts out pretty grounded, and then it just goes bizarro demon world, and that's you can see that's where they're going with with Sekiro as well. Uh, the first boss uh, or the first mini boss I come up against, I think he's like the Chained Ogre, I think is what his name was. He was whooping my fucking ass for so long, and um, I don't know, I'm I'm not patient with a lot of games. Um, I, I've been known to uh, throw some expletives. At the screens when uh, things don't go my way. So there was a few cuss words getting thrown around when I was doing battle with this guy. But you know what? I sort of found my little zen moment and sort of realigned my chakras and then sort of, you know, went at it and was looking at sort of his moves and how to react to said moves and and how he sort of navigated the battlefield. And, and, And I took this big bastard down after, you know, a handful of attempts. And I got that sense of reward, that sense of like, ah, I've achieved something here. And I like that with this franchise, but I like that it's a little bit more actiony as opposed to sort of um, that traditional sort of Souls recipe. But it's it's so good, you know. It reminds me a little bit of Tenchu, but just with the difficulty turned to, to the ask. hardest. I've been mean to ask someone. I'm like, is there any Tenchu vibes? Because if there's Tenchu vibes, I'm gonna have to buy this game. Yeah, it's so. it's got some Tenchu vibes. Um, whether it be from the the art style to to the combat to even just the the executions you do, like the stealth attacks you do on some of these enemies, and you know, 
blood's covering the screen and there's you know limbs and appendages going everywhere like it's it's very much you know big boy pants tenshu um mm-hmm. with the difficulty at the furthest end of the spectrum um but it's great it's I, great i've been really enjoying um following people's twitter feeds with this game because like it's very interesting to see like when people have obviously just first started playing maybe the first few hours of it and they're like oh this game it's beautiful it's awesome it's amazing it's la, la, la. and then obviously they've played maybe about 10 hours now or 15 hours now and they're like fuck this game it's so difficult. I can't take it anymore. And it's just like this is a roller coaster of emotion. I'm glad that this game turned out to be something more than what a lot of people were saying. They thought it was going to be something that was very oversimplified combat. Yeah. So I'm glad that this was definitely, you know, more than that. Yeah, like like obviously the the biggest change from the Souls games would be how they've sort of taken the the character creation aspect out of it, where you can do certain classes and what have you. Yeah, you, know, you are you're Sekiro, and and you can level up your stats and um, things like that. But you know, upgrading your gear and what have you, it is very limited with your with your customization, which is a big sort of step uh, away from from the previous franchises. But it doesn't take away any of the elements of the aspects of the game. I don't think. I like that they've got this character that's sort of fleshed out and you've got this story that you're sort of following where um you know trying to take revenge on a, on a on another samurai so it's that traditional sort of japanese spaghetti westerny sort of infusion of story but uh it's so good dream are you going to you going to play this are you much I of a am, souls boy I'm absolutely going to play this game I'm uh, I'm very excited to play Sekiro. I haven't picked it up just yet. Uh, I think it'll be in the next week or two that I'll grab it. Just looking at the schedule, um, it yeah. I, I I love Dark Souls Three, right? So I really 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 enjoy that game. And just hearing you describe your first impressions of of um, Sekiro, it sounds exactly like Dark Souls Three. It sounds like exactly like Dark Souls Two as well, which for any From Software title. I just like literally talking about the first boss and just how it just thumps you. The first boss in Souls 3, I think it took me the best part of two hours to try and get through, which sounds ridiculous um, considering that you encounter that thing within the first 15 minutes of the game. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that this sounds like a, a bloody hellscape um, for mm. people to try and traverse through. Um, yeah, no, it's, it sounds phenomenal yeah one one thing i like about it too is the the reliance on stealth so it does have that traditional sort of shinobi uh mantra where you you know you attack from the shadows or you can be hiding up in you know a tree and you can mm. jump down and stealth attack certain enemies so i like that it's got that um weaved mm. into it as well so yeah from software have done really really well with uh with Sekiro. i think you can see the reviews already like it's it's very very highly praised throughout pretty well all channels from what i can see and um yeah i'm excited to to push through more and try and feel like a badass as i as i try and perfect the the block deflect and sort of dodge mechanics within the game uh but it's cool i, I love wielding that katana and, and being a badass or, or yeah. at least one percent of the time i feel badass and the rest i'm just running and hiding <laughs> and fearing for my life but that one percent feels great it's all repetition like that's that's like i can't state that enough and that's that's where it really does separate the people who are like oh this looks cool from the people who are like i am not going to go anywhere until i get through this one part however long it takes me 
Yeah, and, and rewiring that old old, old muscle memory to, yeah. to, to sort of work the button mapping as well as, okay, I know that's sort of an archer type of enemy. They typically, mm-hmm. you know, telegraph moves by doing X or Y. Okay, so I can combat that with, um, you know, another another sort of option so yeah just getting all that rewiring in my brain at the moment's been been a big hurdle but i'm enjoying the challenge and yeah if anyone wants to feel like a helpless samurai but also feel that real sense of reward from a game like it's certainly something to look at or um anyone that's a fan of of the dark Souls series or bloodborne um, get amongst it because who doesn't mm. want to be some gangster shinobi dude in, in feudal japan slaying rival shinobi and demons mm. <laughs> It's it like Ninja beautiful. Scroll. God damn it. I only just sort of connected the dots. It's fucking Ninja Scroll. This game's even better for me now. Oh, man. No, the game looks gorgeous and the videos that are coming out of it um, that a lot of people are dropping is pretty interesting. I'm seeing a lot about a giant snake at the moment, which actually looks terrifying to me. But um, I, Yeah, I mean, the, the big like... Looks sort of like a panther, but it's uh, not a panther, a python. <laughs> um, it looks like a panther. Yeah, but it's um, this big albino snake that just sort of skulks around that you got to avoid because it can it can kill you pretty well instantly. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, so I might have to look into investing in this one. So I see you've been playing one other game there, Miss Hart. Yeah, some people may have heard that I've played this a few times before on the podcast, uh, Crypt of the Necrodancer. So I decided to play it again because it recently got announced that um, they are now going to be collaborating with Nintendo and with Zelda specifically with a game called uh, Cadence of Hyrule. It's essentially going to be the same kind of game style, which is like a dungeon crawler with... um, you know, movement in regards to a beat and timing. So uh, actions have to be performed within a beat for multipliers. Um, but with this, they're pretty much kind of reskinning it with uh, Zelda properties and Zelda characters with the inclusion of the main um, character. So a lot, of, a lot of hype after that Nintendo Direct on that. And also one other thing we'll sort of talk about in the in the news. But uh, yeah. it's cool to see because you, you were flying this flag pretty heavily with Crypt of the Necro Dancer. I know a couple other people in our circle have played it, but it's not a title that sort of got mass coverage or, um, you know, a, a, a huge amount of focus, but now it's certainly uh, got a lot of eyes on, on the mm. franchise. It's fantastic. Like, like obviously, I'm going to say the game is freaking awesome because I play it a little bit too often, but this kind of collaboration where a company, like, you know, a, a relatively small company that came out with this little game on the side now has one of the most popular gaming properties attached to it and said yeah let's work together let's let's create something together with it that's massive that's massive it's a big Mm. deal um so i look forward to when it comes out um i think spring Uh, but i don't know what that means southern hemisphere northern hemisphere release schedule always confuses me for a second oh it sucks because they'll be like coming winter and you'll be like that's only a few months away and then you realize it's their winter and it's like end of year yeah so, Dream, do you have anything to add to the to been playing, or should we just sort of keep on moving through this jam-packed agenda for episode one forty-four? Um, not nothing of note. I've been playing a new snap game this week, um, Knights of Pen and Paper Two, which was an ad I saw uh, on my Instagram, <laughs> and I was like, "All right, I'll give it a crack." It looks like kind of fun. It's this retro sort of graphics. Um, it's a freemium game through and through, uh, but it's actually kind of fun. It's it's all based on the mechanics of like D and um, you create your own little party and, and you have like a DM, like a person who's actually a DM who just kind of talks you through the quests and stuff that's going on. Um, 
it's heavily based on the mechanics of D&D and that you do things like anytime you travel from A to B, that you roll a D20 and you can get attacked if um, if you roll low enough. Um, it's it's actually surprisingly a lot of fun. It's a not a bad snap game. If you want to try something a little bit fun and different and D&D related, um, I would recommend Knights of Pen and Paper 2. Can't believe, I'm fucking, <laughs> can't believe I'm saying this. All right. Anyway, yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's that is not a paid advertisement. That is not that a paid advertisement. God honest truth straight from Dream's heart. Yeah. I've actually sunk about three hours into this game. Damn. Yeah. A lot Get of yourself a, a lot copy of, of, of Sekiro and, and come struggle with me. I will. I will, sir. Mm. Yeah. And sadly, we, we can't jump in and help each other. There's no multiplayer, I should have mentioned, too. Oh, so really? There's, there's no none of that from, from previous Souls entries. Yeah. There is in the division. <laughs> that is true just saying just no heart and soul plenty of heart I'm playing it ah damn it she's on fire today alright so let's move on to a quick bit of housekeeping obviously the the biggest thing that we've got going on at the moment is we've got our own Patreon which we've recently launched uh, about a month and a half ago now doing well uh, if you want to head over to patreon.com forward slash we are 8bit and uh, dip into those pockets throw a little bit of spare change at us uh, from the low, low price of $1 per month, you can get early access to the 8BitCast, which is our fortnightly conversational podcast by various members of the hashtag 8 Collective. Uh, episode 4, which is coming out on April the 1st, uh, we have pivoted the rosters and we've actually got Dream and the Forever Movie Boys sitting down to have a bit of a powwow on episode 4, which is very exciting. And then mm-hmm. episode 5, we'll see myself, Dash... Um, Elder as well as Sammy Deej get together to talk about a few things uh, which we are refining at the moment. So very exciting times. If you want to throw a little bit more than a dollar behind us, you do get access to various perks and bonuses. Uh, Merch you can't find anywhere else. Other swag, bonus entries to giveaways we are running. And on the talk of giveaways, we are currently running a promo where you can get yourself a brand new set of um, Audio-Technica M40X headphones as well as a Audio-Technica mod mic attachment which can hypothetically turn any set of headphones into a full-fledged gaming headset. So you can use them M40s at home, playing your games, comms with your friends and then take that mod mic off and rock them around town of streetwear. So uh, it's about 250-odd AUD worth of swag. So uh, check out our Twitter, twitter.com forward slash we8bit for how to enter there. Really simple, just rating us, subscribing to things, sharing the posts, things like that. And the uh, winner will be drawn on April the 1st on that, which will be, uh, what's that, a week away. So get hyped on that. Something else to get hyped on, next episode, episode 145. We'll see us joined by Ultra Super Mega, and their host, their founder, their sensei, Matty Perkins will be jumping on to co-host episode 145 with us. So uh, get excited for next week. Uh, we haven't worked out what we're going to be doing with him, but it's going to be fun. And uh, maybe we'll try and bring some kind of shenanigans to the table as well. So, Dream, Ali, shall we talk some news? This week's news headlines. All right, a couple of quick hits. Noob Cybot has been confirmed he is returning in Mortal Kombat 11 as well as Shang Tsung, who will be returning via DLC. Uh, Noob Saibot, uh, as you know, is sort of like a ethereal shadow ninja. Um, and for those that didn't know, Noob Saibot's name is a wordplay on uh, Boone and Tobias, the two creators of Mortal Kombat. So there's a little I, Mortal Kombat fact for you. I didn't know that. I saw your Twitter post on it and I went, really? Like, mm. that's cool. Because like any kind of like 
version of doing that kind of way of like naming something of like let's just do our names backwards never really sounds that cool yet noob cybot just has always sounded like a badass so yeah yeah so obviously boone and tobias the the two surnames of the founders of mortal kombat hence noob cybot uh the the trailer they released for him looked pretty damn nasty um he was whooping ass all over the screen and his fatality looks great i i love i love this franchise and just the the gore and the brutality levels is just dialed to 55 it feels like yeah well shang sung's looking old as fuck though and you know he looks like they've used the character model from carrie i can't remember his surname that actually played shang sung in the mortal kombat movies it looks like him just older i wonder if they've used him to character model if they did that'd be amazing yeah, I don't know. Like some of the character changes that people have been they've been making for this, you know, for Mortal Kombat 11. There's been a few little bits of backlash. Like I know that a lot of people didn't appreciate that um one of the girls Katana maybe um wasn't as revealing as they would yeah. have hoped. And even even uh, Jade as well. Yeah, they've 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 covered up all them them big old biddies that uh the franchise has been known for for the last few entries. Um them thirsty practical. boys need to go over to Dead or Alive and and get their uh you know video game related smut now so we'll see don't get me wrong i'm a stickler for like staying you know close to original content and those girls weren't packed away too well but like um yeah just seeing like a few small changes here and there has been pretty interesting with um model camp 11 and with like especially when you see characters maybe characters you grew up with and are very you know very soft digital age way back when and now that they have the ability to really like essentially bring them to life i guess you kind of just want to see what that rendition looks like but exactly. everyone likes boobs oh yeah yeah and whoever doesn't you weird big fan um dream you got any any skin in the game with mortal kombat no not i know really. you're a tekken boy through and through yeah no but i mean like less than that i just um i just never i don't think i ever really had a mortal kombat game growing up i definitely borrowed a couple from friends over time and, and you know I, I know what it's all about but uh yeah i just never really got behind it and this sounds dumb i guess when um when i am a tekken fan and that story is just balls to the wall bonkers um mortal kombat story to me just seems far more fucking ludicrous this is again this is incredibly hypocritical um but just like the whole like what is it like johnny cage is a an actor um sonya's like a special forces person is that right mm-hmm. yeah yep. raiden raiden is the god of thunder yep yep yeah he uh, uses lightning me, all the time Go stop figure. me when i'm wrong shang sung is trying to um bring the forces of outworld to take over the earth yeah like like shang sung sort of almost become a bit of an ancillary baddie these days like he he's obviously the og big bad and then you've got uh shao khan and goro yeah. and all the others and i think kratos khan is the one of the baddies and then i can't remember the female um antagonist name for, for mk11 but yeah it's it's a very muddy story but i guess the basis of it is yeah outworld is trying to overtake uh you know the earth realm so they have a have a tournament yeah. pitting um <clears throat> earth's greatest fighters against uh various members of outworld to see if earth gets taken over and yeah rinse repeat really it doesn't so far-fetched about that sam in my head in my head it's like okay what's crazier is that crazier or is it crazier for a japanese um owned conglomerate headed up by heihachi mishima a man who threw his son into a volcano 
whose son then made a deal with the devil and came back as devil. Um, yeah. like what's, what and is then there's crazier? Devil Jin, he's, he's, his grandson. And yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, what is actually crazier? And now yeah. Akuma, and then there's a kangaroo, a boxing kangaroo. Yeah, we've got a boxing kangaroo, fighting bear, uh, a raptor. Um, to be fair, a boxing kangaroo and a fighting bear is very real life. That's probably the closest thing to reality in there. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Tekken, Tekken is based in reality. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, Mortal Kombat's crazy. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I guess going back to your question, no, I'm, I'm not really, I don't really have a horse in the race when it comes to Mortal Kombat. He's invested in debunking the story, but in the actual game, he's got nothing. I like yeah. realism. I like realism in my yeah. fighting games. Far too ludicrous to throw, throw my support behind. Throw someone in a volcano behind. and then yeah. get Sam invested. The thing I like about Tekken is even the fighting style mimics real life. Like anytime I've been in a scrap, I do a launcher, I do a string to keep them in the air for a little while, and then I bound them by hitting them downwards. That's how all of my fights have always gone. Hey, so does Mortal Kombat. You punch someone in the nuts, you know they're going <laughs> to be struggling only, for a little not while. Not only do you know, it shows you the nuts bust. <laughs> it's what it will show you. <laughs> See, who doesn't want that kind of realism in a fighting game? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so the next quick hit. Capcom have shifted 2 million units of Devil May Cry 5 in the first two weeks with the series as a whole pushing towards 20 million units sold. So uh, diving a little bit deeper onto that. So DMC 5 uh, yeah, came out two weeks ago and it is now sort of the fastest selling uh, game in the franchise. So it's pretty exciting times for, for Capcom and, and fans of the Devil May Cry universe uh i've already said pretty heavily that it's a fantastic title well worth your time uh the review is now up on the youtube.com forward slash we are 8 bits so give it a look it's about a six minute video uh sort of review that i've put together uh sort of showcasing the my thoughts on the series as a whole as well as the execution of of democrat 5 and overall it's uh hashtag 8-bit approved so um yeah check it out youtube.com forward slash we are 8 bit but 20 million units, that's nothing to, nothing to cry about. Mm. No, I'm in the most non-offensive way possible, I'm actually genuinely surprised how popular this game was for mm. like when it released. It's like I said, it's been one of those series that I've actually never gravitated to. Um, playing it uh, briefly, playing the demo, I can see it's like graphically amazing. The combat's quite enjoyable. I just recognize that it's not my kind of game. But seeing the overwhelming popularity on social media actually quite surprised me everyone loves it so oh, yeah yeah capcom are two for two so far this year so uh kudos to everyone involved over there uh and the next little quick hit via super data apex legends 92 million dollar launch month is the best ever for a free-to-play game so uh the first amount of financial data came out on the back of uh, apex legends success over the last you know four or five weeks uh now we do have the battle pass available as well which uh is a story for another day it is um in the circles uh the apex community it is getting sort of panned to being a little bit of a hollow weak battle pass not really worth the the financial investment but um 92 92 million bucks in uh you know the first four weeks of of hitting the marketplace that's uh mighty impressive I'm wondering if that's like one of those things where since everyone else that had free-to-play games, especially also within that uh, Battle Royale uh, segment, they laid the groundwork of almost like kind of like a, oh, what's to be expected kind of mentality. So people were already ready to like drop money on, you know, loot boxes Mm -hmm. and such. So um, 
yeah, based on the battle pass, I gotta say nothing made me want to get that. Nothing about the selling point made me want to get that, so I actually haven't bought it. Um, but the drop of um, Octane's been pretty interesting. I'm really enjoying. Like I've never played it, but I'm really enjoying the content that's coming out of uh, gameplay with Octane. Being yeah, I'm, it, I'm keen so. to give him a go. Like I had full intention of playing some Apex this week, but um, yeah, just timing got away. But uh, from from what I've seen and, and feedback on the socials, he seems like a ton of fun to play. Mm. Uh, his his scalability with his little you know jump pack um, ulti that can sort of get you up and above enemies, as well as mm-hmm. his sort of self-sacrifice uh, ability where he can take a little bit of health to, to move. I think it's 30% quicker. Uh, so you can close the gap on enemies or, or, you know, open that gap if you're getting getting hunted yourself. I like that sort of utility he's got in that regard. But yeah, the, the battle pass, there's what, three character skins. And then I think there's only three yeah. decent gun skins worth talking about. The rest is just trash. Yeah, like um, character skins didn't appeal to me at all. Um, I've f- completely forgotten what they were... Ref- what they actually called this um, battle pass they gave it a name like the it was like wild wild yeah, the, wild something yeah something like along those lines and i looked at skins i wasn't impressed and yeah like i said overall the selling point didn't win me over so i won't be jumping on that and i don't really play it enough i guess to justify it and they've already said to, to get to the level 100 on the battle pass it's going to take you probably 100 plus hours to reach level 100 on the on the battle pass season so uh yeah, you you got to throw a fair amount of time in to get to the end to get not a whole lot. Yeah, I'll pass on that one. Dream, you still playing some Apex? God, no. No. <laughs> I'm off that train. Yeah, I just, I don't know. It, like, it was fun. Don't get me wrong. I was really enjoying it when I played it. But um, uh, again, going back to the same old thing, it's very time poor at the moment. And so it's not really something that I... That I, that I need in my life right now is an excuse not to to attend to my responsibilities. Um, that that game would absolutely give me. Uh, I know I'd just be sitting there for hours just saying one more, just one more, you know. It does that to you. This game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I am, I am a big advocate for that. Um, but something that could give you that, uh, you know, that, that nice feel and the warm and fuzzies is some more content moving over to the Epic Store. So we've had uh, the Outer Worlds Control and Dauntless uh, making their way over to the Epic Store. And then on the back of that as well, we had some more um, PC-related excitement. Uh, Quantic Dream have announced that Heavy Rain, Beyond Two Souls, and Detroit Become Human would have their PC debut on Epic Storefront as well. So Epic still swinging that uh, that big penis around, um, mm. taking all these titles. Uh no, Tencent, the, 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 the Asian sort of money factory, is just laughing all the way to the bank. Um, but yeah, interesting. Very interesting. Control is a, a title that uh, got a little bit of hype last year at E3, but hasn't really had much chatter until this announcement. It's coming out later this year. Uh, it was done by... Um, I can't remember the studio name now, but they were a Microsoft house that did Alan Wake and then Quantum oh, Break, okay. and now they're going across other platforms, so... Yeah. I know that I heard actually a lot of disappointment hearing um, that the Outer Worlds would be going to the Epic Store because I think that actually then came uh, with a delay on yes. the actual release. So And so I saw a lot of people who were hyping that for that game actually extremely disappointed hearing that um, mm. Epic Store has now obtained the, um, I guess, the selling prompt of that one. So Yeah, I, so... I don't it's... know how I'm feeling about this, like this whole like i know that epic store 
they I know that there's been a few articles now about like Epic Store seeing that they're actually doing this for the gamers and stuff, but right now I'm not seeing the convenience. I'm not seeing like I got really screwed around buying the division from Epic Store, but then having to load it up on my Uplay and then connecting the two and it was a real pain in my ass. So yeah, I'm not the, the, the the ease of access for consumers isn't really there on the Epic Store. There's a few few articles out there showing the the contrast of what's available on Steam and what's not available on Steam as far as, you know, friends list achievements, being able to play offline, so on and so forth. Uh, mm. it's 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 a pretty pretty sizable list and no doubt Epic are going to be implementing them over time, but it's very much at this stage I think this is a decision from the the publisher directly where obviously they can get um 70 percent of the of the sales profits um here oh sorry no 88 percent of the sales profits where where epic are only taking 12 percent where steam take 30 percent so yeah i think it's just a dollars and cents thing for these uh for these uh teams out there yeah well well, they're obviously going to see what it does to them whether it's actually turns into success or not so Mm. Mm. well they did say um metro exodus is the um, best-selling game on the PC in the franchise so far. Apparently, its sales are up. I think it was twenty-five percent, and it was a Epic exclusive, which uh, you know pivoted from Steam at the eleventh hour. So maybe people just follow the franchise. You know, if if you got a you know a, a love affair with the game, you just buy it wherever you can. If you love said game, I guess. Question mark. I, mm. I guess I just don't know what that would have hindered whether it was available on Steam or not. But, oh well only time will tell what do you reckon Jerry are you firmly in the epic court am I firmly in the epic court uh, where do you stand say. well I, I, like you said I think it's more for, for developers at the moment it's, it's, it's more beneficial for them to be going there than for the players um, I don't know Steam's still such a giant how do you how do you even compare really you know, there's like two fifths of nothing on Epic at the moment, and absolutely everything on Steam. Um, even with big titles like that, you know, who cares? As a player, you have access to both. As a developer, it absolutely is more of a decision to make. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I I I couldn't care either way. Like I'm, you know, I I admire what Steam and what Valve have, have done, but. Yeah, I couldn't care if if I can if I need to just go to a different website to buy the game I want to play. I don't care. It's the same for me. Yeah, as exactly. It's no EB Games or JB Hi-Fi or whatever. You know, it's it's about convenience and however I can get that uh that game quickest in my hands. But it's it's almost like discussing which console are you going to play it on. Like it really doesn't. You know, when has that ever been a person a problem for a person who has access to to both options? You just pick one and go with it. Exactly. Um, anyway. Exactly. And the last little quick hit before we jump into two more deeper dives. Uh, Microsoft's exclusive Cuphead is heading to the Switch this April. So um, Microsoft sharing exclusive IP with, uh, you know, their now pseudo best friends Nintendo. Mm. Huge. It's a massive deal. It's definitely a game that was perfect for the Switch. Like... It only made sense that it would belong there. And like, I loved seeing everyone's hype over it too. So um, looks like I'm going to have to buy this game again. Because I have it on PC and it works. Like, you know, it's fine. I do use a controller to play it. Um, but I feel like porting it onto the Switch 
it will just it'll it'll feel way better it'll make sense yeah it's it's exciting it'll feel great in handheld mode on the switch um but yeah it's it's this whole practicing what they're preaching as far as Mm -hmm. microsoft wanting their games to be just anywhere you know they just want gamers to play on whatever platform they're comfortable with and uh it's this is evidence to that so yeah yeah see what happens playing ball Mm -hmm. it's exciting and then sony's still over in the corner going bah humbug but uh you know what they're they're winning this race so they don't really care you know they are the the market leaders in this generation so um watch watch this space Mm. Mm. so the uh the first major news talking point this week uh, i guess it ties nicely into that last uh sort of quick hit microsoft and sony both taking a leaf from nintendo's playbook announcing very nintendo direct-esque stream slash events so first and foremost we will cover microsoft and then i'll talk about sony and then we can sort of wrap it all together so uh what microsoft are doing is you can expect to learn more about some of the hottest idea xbox titles coming to xbox game pass with new reveals gameplay highlights and conversations with the developers the platform holder stated it went on to tease information on after party void bastards and supermarket shriek as well as in quotes new game announcements You'll be able to watch on YouTube as well as Microsoft's Inside Xbox streams. ID at Xbox Game Pass is at 9 a.m. Pacific Time or 3 a.m. Australian Eastern Time in Sydney on March the 26th. And then Sony, uh, they're coming at you via way of State of Play, which will give you updates and announcements from the world of PlayStation. PlayStation Director of Social Media, Sid Schumann, said in announcing the show, our first episode will showcase upcoming PS4 and PSVR software, including new trailers, new game announcements and new gameplay footage state of play airs at 2 p.m pacific time on march the 25th so this is literally in the next two to three days time as we record this on sunday march 24th um we got some announcements coming our way yeah it's very interesting that they kind of sat back and just kind of saw what nintendo was doing you you can't deny that there's an overwhelming hype whenever a nintendo direct's coming up like everyone like everyone talks about it you're ready for it what are you anticipating you know like it's like a little mini you know press conference like little Mm -hmm. freaking but um i mean when are they how regular are they going to be are they just going to keep on pushing them out whether they actually have anything to give like I, I think that's going to be the fine line like do you just oversaturate the the airways for the sake of just being out there in front of people and have maybe sort of watered down um idea at xbox game pass or uh, watered down state of play events or is this going to be maybe a quarterly thing uh where mm. they can focus around a few new key announcements on on sort of uh you know gaming software coming coming to those platforms but you know it's funny because we've been talking so often the last few months about how e3 looks like it's on a downwards downward cycle with some of these um massive massive developers and publishers uh stepping away from holding press conferences at the event and then instead focusing more on these intimate sort of you know smaller more targeted events so yeah it's cool I mean, like these these smaller kind of releases um, are good in the sense that they are able to either, you know, make them just quick hits, get to the point, get the content out there and just like plant the seed like in people's like respective buyer's brain. Um, But it would also be good to um, take the time to actually highlight maybe certain certain games that, that maybe don't get 
the amount of time that they deserve in larger spaces when it comes to announcements. So maybe they can look at that. Yeah. So, so on episode 145, we'll be talking about, I guess, the first uh, episodes or runs from both Sony and Microsoft. Dream, mm. uh, where, where do you stand on all this stuff? What's, what's your thoughts? Uh, probably the same as yours. I, um, it makes me wonder about what they're actually going to, what Microsoft are going to do at E3 this year and whether Sony will ever go back. Um, I think this is just about being front, front of um, front and center, and you know, the four in everyone's minds. Just getting your your brand out there as as much as you possibly can to uh, to, I guess, create a perception that you, you're absolutely dominating this weird space called gaming. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting. I think the proof's in the pudding, though. Like, what what are they actually going to be talking about, and how often are they going to be around? But it's exciting, you know. No more announcements is, 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 is never it a bad thing. Wait, hold on. Is it exciting? I like, think do so. Think like, that, do you think that they're going to actually really be dropping significant announcements in these things, oh, or do you think this is just kind of more of an no. update on on where things in flight are at at the moment? Yeah, you know? I, I think it'll be sort of more mini updates and announcements, but maybe maybe they do a twice yearly thing where they they do sort of drop a. A massive big here's here's a new exclusive ip or here's the first trailer for obsidian's new game or, or whatever it might be so because sure. I, I think I would argue i would argue that nintendo's been doing this for already um and the fact that both sony and microsoft are doing theirs within two days of each other um indicates that this is more of a strategic decision to push out some content than it is that they both happen to have something actually exciting to talk about mm. um, yeah like i'm, I'm so, curious on the microsoft front if they're going to be talking about xcloud maybe there'll be a little bit of an xcloud yeah. focus on the back of uh you know the next bit of news we'll be talking about shortly so this yeah this just seems more knee-jerky to me than than actually planned um p- planned uh you know marketing strategy because they've actually got something worth talking about i think this is just a reaction to um you know perhaps the good work nintendo is doing or something else that we don't know about Mm. but yeah maybe this is just a further um you know nail in the coffin of e3 long term where they do just start doing these smaller more targeted focused events and and as we said like more of these regularly is never a bad thing being able to to see behind that curtain every month or every few months is a lot more exciting than waiting to June every year to get all the, all the announcements, both big, small, irrelevant or otherwise. Yeah. I, and I also just think them all putting together all content, all, you know, special features. Cause a lot of it, like sometimes even if it's not too impactful of like, if they're adding a certain DC or they're adding something little tiny element to whether it's like Microsoft store or Sony or whatever, having that information all in one little space is sometimes more useful than it being sporadically released in like quick social media PR little drops. Having it in one, one stream might actually be more useful and actually retainable. Yeah. That message is clear and more concise. So mm. we'll see, you know, we don't have, wait, uh, we don't have to wait long to see uh, the debut of, of Sony and Microsoft's respective uh, little Nintendo direct esque events. So um, we'll see what happens uh, later this week. So the next bit of news, which was pretty big time, the Google Stadia has been announced and unveiled. And uh, this was revealed during Google's GDC 2019 conference. And the Google Stadia is an upcoming uh, hardware-free video game streaming platform 
capable of streaming said video games at 4K 60fps at launch, with later goals of achieving 8K 120fps plus already scheduled on the roadmap. So a little bit of tech spec before we sort of get our feedback and thoughts on it. Uh, it features a custom 2.7 gigahertz hyper-threaded x86 CPU with AVX2 SMID. It also boasts a custom AMD GPU that's capable of 10.7 teraflops of power Oof. using HBM2 memory and 56 compute units. For memory, it has 16 gig of RAM with up to 484 gigabit a second transfer speeds and 9.5 megabits of L2 plus L3 cache. On top of all this, it includes SSD cloud storage. So what exactly does all that mean? Well, it's 10.7 giga uh, GPU teraflops surpass the GPU performance of PlayStation 4 Pro and Xbox One X combined. So they come in at about 10.2 GPU teraflops total. And then as far as CPU performance, it's similarly head and shoulders above this home console competition. Ultimately, these initial specs could rival next-gen consoles. So, pretty big time. Um, exciting in some regards. I've got a level of hesitation on this overall, especially for the Australian uh, yeah. <laughs> network ecosystem uh, because it was later confirmed you are going to need 25 megabits per second speed to uh, successfully use the Stadia in the way it is uh, intended. Uh, so that probably wipes out you know, 80% of the Australian market. Mm. Um as it's, as it's slated as of today, uh, only the US, Canada, and then a couple of countries within Europe uh, on the roadmap for the Stadia release later this year with more countries to come online uh, down down the track as well. But uh, yeah, we'll be waiting patiently or unpatiently for this thing In to hit our shores. Yeah, yeah, but Google Stadia, dream. Where are you at with this thing? Um, I don't know. It's a bit early, isn't it? I don't know. It's they, they showed it's, they showed some some gameplay like people playing and, and some of the functionalities and and the controller and the you know a bit of the UI. Where where do yeah. you stand? My my first thing before I hand it back over to you. The name is dumb. You know, yeah. like Stadia is stupid. I I woke up to people talking about Stadia, and I'm like like straight up stevia 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 Stadia. everyone's talking did, about sweetener did they say anywhere in the marketing where the names sort of come come from derived from how they came up with stadia not that i've seen someone said something about stadiums well that, that's that's sort that's... of where, what the words derive from so maybe it is i don't know some some clever wordplay that ties into i don't know you, you, you can play anywhere in the world in front of all these fans i don't know i have no idea <laughs> yeah, someone in google is came up with this this is definitely the future i think in terms of where where gaming will go ultimately so there are a number of companies out there that are developing um like bare bones requirements hardware to sell um which allows you to stream from um somewhere else where they have just the the processing power to um to to run games you know at fucking you know however many teraflops you want to run it <laughs> um, but but the idea that you instead of having the hardware in your house to actually play games to a high quality 
um, but rather stream it and let the power be taken over on the other side and all you need is a decent internet connection. I think that is actually going to be the future. Again, there are a number of companies working on this. There's a company called Shadow that's working on something similar where um, probably like a lesser version of what Google's just announced with Stadia, but effectively you, you buy this really shitty box, but it lets you plug into Steam. Yeah. And then from there, you can actually just play whatever you want. Um, the onus is on you though to have the internet connection and that's like you called out where we fall short here in Australia for the most part. Um, I, I, I think the adoption will be slow for that reason. I think that, you know, probably our kids will be adults by the time that that sort of vision is recognized truly. It depends on how soon we can get these um, this MBN out here in Australia. But uh, but I think that that is ultimately where it will go. It just makes more sense. It just seems cheaper for um, for players to just get the, you know, just again, bare bones hardware as opposed to state of the art just to run whatever game it is on the day. Um, and I think that something like this would have a pretty good user experience um, in terms of connectivity and feel so long as you can hit that, you know, for, for Stadia, 25 megs. Um, yeah, I, I, like, I think it's good. Again, I think it's a little early to talk about how successful this will be in the markets it rolls out in, but it's definitely going in the direction that I think ultimately the industry is going to follow. Mm. Yeah. What, what about you, Miss Hart? What's, what's your opinion? I know, I know, you know, a few people that got into a few of the, the beta tests on this, um, late, uh, late last year, if I recall. So you've sort of got a little bit of, bit of on the ground feedback as well. Yeah, and it was actually mostly positive. The experience was pretty streamlined with, like, low to no, like, you know, stuttering or disconnection. Um, like, the concept is great. Like, it's 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 awesome. Like, like much like Sam said, like, have, removing the hardware aspect and just having, like, a singular platform of being able to play all these games is, is a great idea. Um, in regards to like all the stats that are coming out and what's the minimum requirements from what I understand also, it's not just Australia that's really being like cut out. Like a lot of areas in America are also saying that they're going to be seeing themselves not being involved. Like they won't even match those requirements. Mm. Um, I, I, I do think it's funny that Google has uh, provided this gaming platform that is predominantly focused on streaming and um, you know, so you know, internet connectivity, especially with Google having their own internet, Google Fiber. So, you know, wondering when that comes hand to hand, if that gets starts getting pushed through. Um, like I said, pipeline is it's, it's, <clears throat> the idea is great. I love the idea. Australia won't be getting it. I love that they left us off because they probably knew that we were a lost cause. You don't want to launch something with a bad name anyway. Um, but. Yeah, like it'll just be interesting to see what the rollout is. I'm yeah. sure it's going to be a very specifically targeted platform. But I'm when when's this? When it's slated the... for later this year to come out. So mm. yeah, so somewhere in the next nine months, it's going to drop. So yeah, have they specified whether it's like a very extremely limited rollout? Are they? Nothing. I guess they've already done the beta. So. Yeah, no, nothing that I've sort of been able to to dig up. Uh, as far as if they are doing certain territories in the US only to begin mm. with. I think it's going to be a nationwide type of thing and, and you jump on it at your own peril, I guess, depending <laughs> on your network infrastructure. Uh, it is exciting, but I'm, I'm with you guys wholeheartedly on that. Like We are several years away being able to sort of 
perform this without stress or doubt or any concern on, on that network backend that we're going to be leveraging off, uh, especially with ISPs here in Australia, like like they they can throttle up or um, throttle down the your downloads and things like that. And mm-hmm. when you're going to be potentially needing maybe you know seven gig an hour to do four uh, K sixty frames per second they are going to be scaling your your bandwidth down pretty damn quickly, which will then make a device like this pretty use, useless uh, really, really fast, which would be very upsetting for, for sort of, you know, owners of, of said hardware. So I don't but, know. I don't know. But I, I like it though. Well, yeah. I, I think we're also ignoring one of the other key parts of this story, which is that Google are now very heavily in the gaming space. So yeah. this is, this is uh, I think, a really good first step for them because um, I don't think this is a particularly expensive product to produce for them. They're not having to go all in on things like, you know, factories, buying parts, buying hardware. They don't do hardware well, they do software well. Um, So this is a really good way for them to dip their toe into the water and then look at establishing themselves and then building on that, you know, in the years to come. And again, this is Google saying probably for the first time, I think, we're here and we're in gaming now. Yeah, um, like they on on the back of this huge. event confirmed that they're they're going to be making their own in-house exclusive games. Uh, they've opened up their own little game division, so that's that's pretty big time. Uh, they also had, uh, you know, ID come out and, and talk about Doom Eternal landing on this at launch. Uh, obviously, the Assassin's Creed Odyssey uh, beta tests were occurring late last year on this, mm-hmm. so there's some alliances with a lot of third-party uh developers and publishers out there so they'll be bringing a whole heap of content to this platform uh they obviously the controller they showed just didn't look very ergonomic to me uh didn't look like it'd feel good in the hands but then they also later confirmed that you'd be able to use you know an xbox one controller with the adapter as as that controller replacement too if you want to go down that route so you've got flexibility on what's going to feel good in your hands keyboard mouse support will be uh, down the line there too. So you've, you've got some options. But yeah, it's it's now, you know, Google have, Google have uh, dropped the mic and now we're going to see what happens with xCloud, whether it be in this, uh, you know, Xbox event later this week or at E3. We even saw um, a news article the other day that Walmart are looking to get into game streaming services. Obviously, one of the big what? American retail giants, they want to try and throw their hat into this ring as well. So... I don't know. I don't know. Google's got the money. Oh, yeah, and the um, infrastructure too. Like And the infrastructure, yeah. Like, so, like, yeah, maybe they just, they've done this and they, they already understand maybe the requirements that they're asking for is very exclusive. So, and like I, Sam actually brought up a good point in regards to exactly how much they actually have to invest into this. Like, the whole fact that they don't have to, like, you know, produce hardware exactly. So, maybe they understood that, whoever was going to jump on this understood what the you know requirements are so that exclusivity like also doesn't affect them like yeah they're not necessarily locking anyone out it's all up to the person really mm. it, it is sort of pie in the sky stuff for a lot of you know modern day society but it's exciting to think about and and envision in a few years time that we can grab a little controller and be playing 
you know, God of War 20 or whatever it might be by then on our smartphone or God. on our on our TV in our, in our lounge room and then seamlessly jump on and then play that game on the phone or on the laptop in the bedroom or the tablet or whatever. I like that pick up and put down and then pick up again uh, functionality they're talking about. They do say it's pretty seamless going from device to device with games and saves. And mm. a few other things they, they implemented were pretty cool as well, but we'll see. You know, there's going to be a lot of chatter about this over the next few months. So um, let's just sit on the fence and uh, enjoy our popcorn. 2019, the year of gaming streaming. That's it. But as uh, as they say in Ghostbusters, don't cross the streams. I don't know why he wouldn't, but uh, I like Ghostbusters. <laughs> I don't think I've seen the Ghostbusters movie. What? 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 Yeah. Any any of them? Yeah. <gasps> I've probably seen more of the more recent one than oh, any no. of the other two. My God, that hurts my heart. Yeah, I'm not really good with the uh, benchmark of, you know, cinema. I haven't even seen Godfather, so yeah. Oof. All right. Yeah, we we need to we need to prepare you a list. <laughs> Let's move along. I understand that. that one to a degree. I do understand that one. Yeah, they they are an un- they are an undertaking. Like that is what ten yeah. hours ten hours of yep. cinema. I think all up for those movies. Oh, I'm happy. I saw Goodfellas. But... Someone convinced me to watch Goodfellas and I watched that and that was fantastic. So, Okay. Yeah. Okay, so that has been the news for episode 144. Uh, we're going to start closing this uh, bad boy down for another week. Is there anything either of yourselves wanted to add before we start doing the uh, the closing notes? No, I just played Crypt of the Necrodancer. Play it now so then you can get a vibe of um, when a Credence, Credence. I always going to say Credence. Cadence. Cadence. Like Cadence, Cadence of Hyrule. Hyrule. I always think of Credence Clearwater Revival for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> <The> CCR. <laughs> play, play Crypt of the Necrodancer and CCR. And Sekiro Shadows Die Twice because it is great, and you will feel the pain that I'm encountering as well. So get excited to ride that emotional roller coaster. Mm. Dream, please pick it up when you get a spare minute and um, yeah, jump on so we can sob collectively together. And then Miss Hart, you get on it too. I know you said you were interested. So uh, let's uh, let's go down to uh, feudal Japanese uh, shinobi and demons as a whole because we're a team here. I don't know, man. DC needs me. Touche. The president needs me. Touche. All right. So this has been episode 144 of the Hungry Games podcast. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe us on iTunes or your podcast hosting platform of choice. While you're there, be sure to rate, review, subscribe the rest of the hashtag 8 Collective as well as all the other podcasts you listen to in your rotation. It takes you next to no time and it means an awful lot. Keeps those emotional lights on in our hearts. Be sure to check out audiotechnica.com.au for the best in audio-based equipment. We're talking microphones, headphones, gaming headsets. As I said earlier in the piece, headsets, you can grab a mod mic and convert that from headphone to headset and back and forth and, uh, you know, take it with you wherever you go. But also check out twitter.com forward slash we are 8-bit for ways to enter to win yourself a set of M40X headphones and a mod mic, as I said, over 250 bucks worth of value and uh, it's really, really, really good kit. Uh, we've been using their gear since well before we formed an official partnership with Audio-Technica and we will stand by that brand to the day we die. Mm. But uh, this has been episode 144. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Find me at Brendan8Bit. Miss Ali Hart can be found at Miss Ali Hart and Dream can be found at Salim TD. Until next week, 8-Bit Nation, much love. Stay hungry. Stay hungry.
You've been listening to The Hungry Gamers, one of many gaming and geek culture-related podcasts from the 8-Bit Collective over on 8bit.net. Check out more episodes on your podcast service of choice. And while you're there, please be sure to rate and subscribe. Until next time, boys and girls, stay hungry. Thank you.